0: Father today as we look at your word we want to uh, grow in the understanding of who you are Lord we want to we want to be men and women who as we spend time with you that God it's not just a religious duty we're doing or a ritual we're going through but God we've come to meet with our God and to hear from our God. And I pray that today as you speak to us, God, that it would impact our lives and it would change how we uh, function in this thing called life, how we treat one another, how we treat uh, and conduct ourselves in the world. So, Lord, just give us ears to hear, Lord, and bless this time, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. John is writing, and as John is, is writing to this church, they're struggling in a lot of different ways. And some of it's heresy coming in, but some of it is also their own doing. And he's trying to convince them, number one, don't listen to the heresy, but number two, watch out how you live. Pay attention to how you live. He's talked about the fact that we sin and made that perfectly clear, and then that there's forgiveness of sin, And then last time we talked about because he got on that role of forgiveness of sin, he wanted to make sure that people understood you don't just sin flippantly, that your sin costs God everything. And then he left off with this idea that if we abide in Christ, we're going to walk as he walked. We're going to conduct ourselves in the world in a certain way. Now he's going to expound on that. He's going to take that a little bit further, and he's going to talk to us about relationship with others. And that's always, to me, always interesting when, you know, the Bible gets into that because all of us, I think all of us get busted a little bit as we go through that. We have to, we hear things and we go, oh, I just did that today. And so as, as we go through this, uh, I always like to say when we do something like this, do not poke your spouse. That's not fair. And also, don't just think about somebody who needs to hear this. Apply this to your heart and to what's going on in your life. So, again, John talked about we need to walk as he walked. And then he says in verse seven, where we're going to pick it up brethren, or some of your translations say, beloved. Remember how he felt about the people. He says, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So listen, as you read those two verses, you kind of go, wait a minute. He said it's the old commandment and then he turned right around and said it's a new commandment. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I read John and I think, you spent too much time on Patmos or something, you know? It's like, like, man, you kind of write some things and what is it you're really trying to communicate? And I think, listen, I think he's letting us know that there is an old commandment that, and I, I don't think he's talking about necessarily the Old Testament, but I think he's talking about what Jesus had said about the Old Testament. Do you remember when one of the young Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Remember, they kind of always trying to trap him. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he says, then the second is like it, And he says, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Jesus is taking Deuteronomy chapter six and Leviticus 19 and kind of squishing them together. And I believe, listen, I believe that is what, what John is talking about. Remember, John hung out with Jesus. I think we know that, right? And he was around when Jesus said those things. So Here's what he's saying, from the beginning. Again, he's not talking about the beginning of the beginning, but he's talking about the beginning of of Christianity and what Jesus said. So he said, there's the old commandment that he gave, and listen, he says, it's a word which you heard from the beginning, and then he says, again, a new commandment, uh, uh, and a new commandment, I write to you which thing is true in him. I believe what John is trying to communicate is that whole idea of loving one another is completely different when you're in Christ. And when he talks about new here, he's not talking about new like chronologically new, he's talking about new like fresh and different, something that is the same substance but it's all fresh and different, and it's not something we kind of had before. Maybe he was thinking about when Jesus spoke of the Good Samaritan. Remember when Jesus gave that parable, and he talked about how it blew the minds of the people who heard it? Because they're thinking, you know, it's okay. It's okay to love people you're close to, but really, strangers? I'm supposed to love strangers? I'm supposed to care. And so Jesus made it new in that sense. And I think that's what I think that's what John is talking about. Well, as a matter of fact, in John chapter 13, remember when Jesus washed your feet? I always love that scene, right? They all go in the room and they're all like like getting all cushy and stuff. And then Jesus gets up, puts the towel on, gets the basin. And I think, listen, I think the moment he started that. I think all 12 were very embarrassed because they knew they had blown it. But I think coming in, they all said, I'm not doing that. That's for the low guy. I think they all thought Bartholomew should do it because nobody remembers him, right? When you think of the apostles, do you even think of his name? Poor Bart. And they probably thought, Bart, no one's even gonna remember your name. You wash the feet. And he probably thought, I don't know washing the feet. Nobody remembers my name. And then Jesus grabbed it and washed your feet. And he went through that whole act. And then, and then at the end of that, in John chapter 13, Jesus says, listen, a new command, commandment I give you, that you love one another. That you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. So John is picking up on that, and again, I don't think he's contradicting himself, he's just picking up on that, and so listen, as he, as he says that, he says, and here's what I love, he says, and the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. I think as Christians, we should have a whole, number one, we should have a whole different worldview, obviously, but we should also have a little brighter view of the world. It bums me when I see Christians get bummed out about, about things, and I understand listen, I understand things can happen to us personally and etc. but when Christians get so caught up in things in the world that we forget who's in charge. My God is in charge. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't given that up, doesn't let somebody else take his position. He's still in charge. And Jesus did bring light to this world. There is hope. We kind of sing about it this morning, didn't we? Were those just words we were singing? Or are they truth for our heart? And John is saying, listen, the light is here. He says the light, and it's pushing away. It's shoving away the darkness. And now, listen, now he kind of, here's where he kind of sort of busts us out. Verse nine, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Oh, oh. Now he's getting a little personal. You see, you can't say one thing and live another way. Do you know this is the second time John's brought that up? John's kind of about this whole thing of being hypocrites. And he says, don't be saying this and then live like this. And ultimately, here's what he says. You cannot hold and harbor bitterness toward your brother. It needs to start in here. Here's the thing, if we can't do that in here with us, how are we ever gonna do it out there? And somebody does something, somebody does something to us in the the body of Christ, and we get all, and we get all angry. And then pretty soon, you, listen, you're sitting at the opposite side of the church where you used to sit because you don't want to even be near them. Or you change services. You're, we're kind of blessed here. You get mad at somebody, you can go to a different service. You don't even have to see them. And we do things like that. We think, it, we think it's okay. And John says, it's not okay. Don't tell me you're walking in the light and then you're harboring something against a brother or a sister. Don't, don't say that. Because in reality, here's the thing, you're still in the dark. And walking in the dark's no fun. You're going to stumble, you're going to mess up. He's going to bring that up in a moment. So we need to decide, first and foremost, we need to decide, am I harboring something against somebody? And if you are, you know what, if you are, just take care of it. Just take care of it today. Right now, get it out of your heart. And I'm not saying you have to go to that person. You know, sometimes going to a person that you're harboring something against, sometimes going to them is not such a good idea. Because sometimes it may just bring up some stuff and cause some chaos, but get it out of your heart. I remember one time years ago, this is really bad, this is kind of on me. Years ago, someone came up to me and they go, I have been mad at you for years and I just wanted to apologize. And dumb me? I said, well, I didn't even notice. (laughs) And now it caused a whole nother issue, right? And it blew up into another thing. So it's not always wise. Listen, you don't always have to go to that person and do something, but you need to get it out of your heart. We read earlier in this letter that when we sin, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, all of this is going together. So get rid of it. Now, I just want to encourage us It's a body of Christ. If there's something going on, get rid of it now. Get it out of you. Do not let it eat you. And most importantly, stop walking in the dark because if you continue to walk in the dark, here's what he says in verse uh, 10. He, well, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but verse 11. But verse 10 says this, he who loves his brother, abides in light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So here's what he's saying. If you stay in the dark, what's gonna happen in the dark? Ultimately, you're gonna stumble, right? You're gonna trip. You can't see what's going on. And he says, but if you love your brother, you get light. And you can see clearly, and you can see what's going on, and you're not gonna stumble. And then, especially scripturally, stumbling talks about, Sinning, causing someone else to sin and harboring sin in your life and you're going to stumble. So, hey, don't walk around in the dark. I have talked about working underground and being in the dark, but I remember too when we used to go to Mexico and we used to hike into places, we would be back into very remote places and very remote places don't have streetlights. And sometimes, the, the, you know, occasionally, you know, uh, the uh, Eric, who would lead the group, you'd say, Man, we need to, you know what, we need to get out of here earlier. Let's get up at 4 a.m. and start walking. Dude, it's dark at 4 a.m. And it's dumb to get up at 4 a.m. So we would get up and and I'll never forget a couple times, but one time in particular, we get up, we're walking, and Jesus did say, you know, if a blind man leads a blind man, they're both gonna fall in a ditch. I'm behind Eric and we're walking. He disappears, and then pretty soon, I disappear, and we both fall in the ditch. Listen, you're going to stumble if you walk in the dark. You might say, not right now, but you will stumble, and it is going to cost something. So you know what? Love your brother. Take some time. Love that person. And here's what I do in my life. Listen, in my life, I, I, I try and do this checklist for me. Am I really loving that person? And you know, mostly this deals with my wife and I. When, whenever we have a discussion <laughs> and we're discussing something, I try, and, I try and like do this self-evaluation. Hey, am I loving her right now? Am I really loving you know? How can I tell if I'm loving her? And we're not talking about the emotional part of love. We're talking about the agape love. How can I tell if I love her? Well, I usually go to First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I start going through that, and I start thinking in this situation, this circumstance right now, am I being those things? If I'm not being those things, then guess what? I'm not loving my wife. And in other relationships, if I'm not being those things in 1 Corinthians, then I'm not loving that individual. And we need to know that. Here's what what it says. I I write it down because I have it memorized in two different uh, translations, and it gets all people go, dude, you don't even know what that says. (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Think about this. Think about this in relationship with others. It does not boast. It's not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. There's a big one, huh? It keeps no records of wrongs, oh. You harboring something, get rid of it. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And we need to think about that in relationships, listen, especially with our spouses, but with other people. When I'm having, maybe I'm having a disagreement with somebody and I need to self-evaluate, am I doing okay? Am I really loving my brother at this moment? I'm not telling you to be a doormat. I'm telling you to check your heart and make sure you're in that place because that's what John says, because I don't want to, listen, I don't want to stumble and I surely don't want to stumble somebody else. And then he says this. He says, but he who hates his brother is in the darkness. Oh. I kind of sometimes like to call people out on stuff like this. When they say stuff, I'll say, huh, you're not loving right now. Yes, I am. You're being a little bit rude. And that's not loving. Or I will tell them, You're kind of in the dark, you want a flashlight? And that's why people don't come to me for counseling. I just hand them a flashlight, here, you need this, because you're walking around in the dark. And we can stumble and fall and mess up. I was reading a thing, a story about a guy, I don't know if it's true or not, The guy's looking down a pathway, and this light is coming, and it's kind of—it's kind of like going all over the place. You know, sometimes at night, like—and this person's got this light, and it's going all over the place. And they're thinking, "What are they doing? That's kind of weird." And he's got closer. The guy has a white cane and a flashlight, and the flashlight's going all over the place. And he finally gets to him, and he says, "Are you blind?" And he says, "Yeah." And he goes, "What's up with the flashlight?" Like, usually blind people don't need a flashlight, right? He goes, what's up with a flashlight? He goes, oh, it's not for me. It's so other people don't run into me. Hmm. Walk in the light, right? And let it shine around you. And then he says, listen, if you hate your brother, you're in the darkness. And he says, and you're not only in the darkness, you walk in the darkness, and you do not know where you're going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Wow. Here's a quote from Richard Nixon. It's kind of weird to quote Richard Nixon. This is my favorite quote. Always remember, others may hate you, but those who hate you never win unless you hate them back. Then you destroy yourself. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? When you think about that, that's... that's Kind of what John is saying. You're going to walk around in the darkness and stumble around and do things or you're going to walk in the light. So now he laid all that out. Listen, he laid all of that out. and Some of that sounds good, but then some of us are going, but I, how, do I, how do I really like, make this part of my life? How do I do that? And I think, listen, I think 12, 13, and 14 are kind of a parenthetical thing. He plugs in to let us know, how can I really walk in the light? How can I do that? And I think, listen, I think, bottom line, he's giving us something really good in this section, although it's a little bit complicated. And I always wonder, when something like this gets a little bit complicated, it's written kind of, if you look at it, it's kind of, you know, written in a a poetry form, and you're kind of going, I don't don't quite, I don't understand what's going on here. So I'm going to, like, I'm going to read it. We're going to look at a big picture of it. And then we're going to kind of break down a couple things that people have problems with and then hopefully break down and get it for a reality in our hearts. So John writes again I think this is parenthetical as he's talked about loving and hating and walking in darkness and then he says in verse 12 I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake." So listen, first and foremost, here's what I want us to understand. Big picture of this. Here's what I want us to get a hold of. John is telling us truths about who we are in Christ He's saying this is the reality of who you are in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You know God. You can have victory over over the evil one. He's letting us know this is some reality for you to get a hold of so that you walk in the light and not in the darkness, so you learn how to love your brother and not hate a person. So I think he gives us that great information that's good for us. So if you just get that from that section, that's good enough. It always, you know, it always cracks me up when you hit things like this and you start studying them and you start breaking them down. Then the brainiacs make them so complicated you can never figure it out, and you go like this: Well, I don't know what it means. I'll just go to the next verse." So first of all, he says that. Then now we need to kind of figure out why does he use those phrases? "I write to you, little children." I write to you fathers, I write to you young men, I write to you little children. Why does he he use those? And I think think he's making a point. The very first one in verse 12, when he says, I write to you little children, that's the same word that he used in verse 1. My little children, same Greek word speaking about, listen, speaking about people who are born again. Oh, in other words, I think verse 12 is everybody. He's talking about everybody, the body of Christ, those who are saved. Because what does he say? I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, right? He says, says, you need to know that. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Listen, your sins aren't forgiven because you're a good person. Your sins aren't forgiven because you go to church. Your sins aren't forgiven because you read your Bible. Your sins aren't forgiven because you pray a whole bunch. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. It's because of him. So I think that's the first one. Then when he writes to fathers, and then he writes to young men, and then he writes again to little children at the end of verse 13, what is he doing? I think he's kind of, I think he's talking about stages in our Christian life. The word for little children in verse 13 is a word that is more like somebody who's under a parental care. So we kind of understand that, right? Especially as our kids are younger, hey, we put up boundaries. We do things for them. Why? Because we love them and we care for them. And I think that's what he's talking about when he talks about those. So I think he's talking about stages in our Christian life and maturity levels in our Christian life. Hey, when we're first saved, we're like little children, right? I, I personally, I love people who just get saved because they're so raw and there's, there's like some of the world still left in them. And they do some of the most bizarre things. And I like to watch, you know, the mature believers around them freak out. It's just fun. Because what new, hey, man, someone just comes to the Lord and we expect them to be a saint. And they just got saved. I've shared with the body before. When I first got saved, Uh, I remember I was going to a home group, a Bible study, and before the Bible study, I'd I'd finished off working and I'd gone to the Circle K and I bought a 12-pack of beer and the lady gave me the wrong change. And I said, excuse me, you gave me too much change. Here, you made a mistake. And I was so proud of myself. Because before I got saved, I would have kept it, right? I would have walked out and thought, thank you. So I was so proud of myself, so I go to the Bible study, and I go, you guys, you'll never guess what Jesus did in my life today. And they're going, what, tell us, and I go, I was at the Circle K buying beer, and they all like, and they didn't hear the rest. Listen, that's little children, right? You're growing and you're changing and you're excited. And I love the idea. Here's what he says. He says, listen, I write to you at the end of verse 13, little children, because you have known the father. You come into that relationship and listen, you know of the father and you have that, that again, that kind of parental guideline that starts forming in your life and it's a good thing. And he says, so listen, those those." Like, little guys, they kind of need that help, right? And they need that guidance. And then he says, I want to skip to the mature. He says in verse 13, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And then in verse 15, he says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Did you pick up that for the mature? And listen, I think this is just mature believers. I don't think it's necessarily chronologically age-related? I think it's just people who are mature. He says, you've grown up, and he says, listen, I've written to you because you've known him who's from the beginning, or I write to you. It's interesting, he says the same exact thing both times, doesn't he? Except he says, I write to you, and then he says, I have written to you. Now, some make a big deal of that. I, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think he's doing anything extraordinary there i don't think he's referring to one of his other letters i don't think he's referring to earlier on in this letter i think he's just like just writing and i think he probably got tired by verse 14 of saying i write to you i write to you i write to you so he changed it up a little bit and said i have written to you so i i don't make a big deal you can if you want and you can make believe and do some stuff i don't care you can do whatever but here's what he says you've known him who's from the beginning What's the difference between that and the little children who've known the Father? I think the big difference is he's talking about the triune Godhead, him who is from the beginning. He doesn't say Father, him who is from the beginning. As you develop your relationship with the Lord, you develop in your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and he begins to grow in your life. And we, I don't think we will ever be able to explain it, this side of eternity, and I think we will spend all of eternity trying to figure out the Trinity, trying to put it in the right kind of words and understanding because God is God and we're not. Just letting you know that. And by the way, when you die, you're not gonna become God. Just putting it out there. I know some people get real uptight. <gasps> I'm not? No, you're not. And listen, some people go, but I'm going to be like God. No, the only way you're going to be like God is you're not going to die again. You're not going to, listen, you're not going to know. You're not going to know as God knows. Why? Because you're not God. And so we'll spend eternity worshiping him and learning. And eternity is forever. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so we're gonna be doing that, but listen, he's saying, as you mature in the Lord, you have a greater understanding of who God is, and you have a greater understanding of how God functions and what he does, and it's called relationship, and when he's talking about this knowing, he's talking about relational knowing. He's talking about getting close. He's talking about an intimate relationship with God. He's not talking about knowing about him. He's talking about knowing him deeply. And so that's what happens as you mature. And he says, you fathers, this is where you're at. The fathers are that way. And I, I, and I love that. And then now he talks about young men and he says, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And then he says, I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So notice first he just says, you've overcome the wicked one. Then he says, how do you overcome the wicked one? You picked up on that? Because the word of God abides in you. So he's talking about, and and I'm gonna say it this way, some of you might get offended, us young men. Because I wanna be included with them. Again, we're not talking about chronologically. We're talking about, listen, walking with the Lord and those who are willing to go on the front lines and do battle, who are not afraid, listen, not afraid, to further their walk with the Lord and let the world know about the Lord. And he says, here's how you do that. You want to have victory over the wicked one? What do you do? You allow the word of God, listen, to abide in you. Are you understanding? You get it in you, and it's resident in you, and it resonates with you. Here at Calvary Chapel, we're getting ready again for our big promotion. Some of you, some of you have been doing the Bible reading through the year and we're almost done, right? And some are going, yes. But here's what's gonna happen. Now you've developed a habit. You know what you're gonna do January 1st? You're gonna start all over again. And you're gonna go through that and hopefully, hopefully this is a lifelong habit. And you read through the Bible every year. But we promote it every year. We push it hard every year. And we'll probably start like next week promoting it and making sure people know where the schedules are, making sure you know you can get on version, And, you know, I've said this several times, version will even read it to you if you don't have time. And listen, I understand some of us are busy. So you just click it on and let it read to you while you're driving or read to you while you're doing things. It's not good to read your Bible while you're driving. It's not a good idea, so it will read to you. So listen, the only way you are going to become strong in the Lord is for his word to abide in you. Again, not legalism, not trying to follow legalism, but getting his word in you and allowing the word of God to govern and guide your life. So here's what John is saying you need to love your brother. How do I do that? You do that by understanding that your sins are forgiven. You do that by understanding, you have this relationship with God Almighty. You do that by understanding, by the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working in your life, you are not gonna fall into the trap of holding grudges and getting bitter against one another. Because I am determined, listen, I'm determined. If we don't love each other in here, we will never love the people out there. So we need to get busy about that, don't we? We need to be people who, and, and again, I'm not talking about mushy, gooey stuff. I'm talking about concern for each other, caring for one another. We're talking about being people who we reach out. And again, not just the people you like. It's easy to love the people you like, Huh? Why don't you love the freaks around here? And the freaks are this. The freaks are anybody who's not like you. Right? If they're not like you, they're a freak. If they're like you, they're okay. Get busy reaching out to each other. Let's be the body of Christ. But most importantly, if there's something going on in your heart today about a brother or sister... When we close up here in a minute, get rid of it, confess it. Confess it to the Lord, let him know, let him fix that area in you and let him restore that area so that you can get out of the darkness. Maybe you're just in the shadow. Some of you are going, well, it's just not real dark, it's dusk. I hate to drive at dusk. How many of you, right? Driving at dusk is worse than driving at night. He said, lights don't help that much. And so some of you are just dusky. (laughs) So if you're dusky, get it fixed. Get it right. Go before the Lord and let him heal that area. And here's the thing. Now you can see clearly to walk and to love him and to let the world know about him. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you when we hit places like this and they're a little difficult for some of us. They're like, man, i to church today. Because they hit us right where we're living. This is, this is getting kind of down to the nitty-gritty. And I pray, God, I pray that, Lord, you would restore those hearts that are in, those, in that place, those hearts where people are refusing to let go. Just work by your Holy Spirit right now. Grab a hold of that area and get it out of them. Let them be washed clean and purified so they can go on in their relationship with you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the truth of who we are in you, what that means in our world and what that means in our life. And I pray that most of all, God, we would be bright, shining lights for you. And we would understand we have that opportunity to live that way in this world. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And If you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life and guide you and and direct you, you've never asked him for a relationship, then you know what, right now is the time to do it. And maybe even, listen, maybe you're even in that place where for years you've carried grudges and dealt with things and don't know how to deal with them. The beginning step is coming to Jesus and coming clean to him and allowing him to guide and direct you. If you wanna do that, the first thing you have to admit is that you're a sinner. And I like to remind us it shouldn't be hard. The Bible says everyone has sinned, but I don't even think we need the Bible for that. We all know we've sinned. And our sin separates us from God. We've offended a holy God, I, I, I hope we know that. And that's the bad news. Well, it gets a little worse, our sin has earned us god's wrath for eternity that's what the bible says that's the bad news the good news is jesus christ came and took your punishment he took the wrath you deserve and he healed that in a moment in an instant of time that's why he had to be god and that's why he had to be man and he took our place and he took care of that for us now today he holds out for us here Here is a receipt, your debt is paid in full, take it. And if you've never taken that from him, if you've never received his forgiveness and and that full payment, today is the day to do it. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And it's gonna be a simple prayer. And yeah, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth. I'm just trying to help you out. And you can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. But it's gotta be sincere. It has to come from your heart. If you're backslidden, come home. and come back to Jesus. I like to say it's time to front slide. If you backslid, front slide and come back. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at and, and just call on the name of the Lord. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus today. I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.